What society tells us is that if a door closes in our face or if an opportunity is what seems like to us taken away, that we should get a blowtorch, we should get a hammer, and that we should pound the door down or break the door down until we're able to access what's on the opposite side. Well, in today's episode, I'm going to share a little bit about my story that may have you think an opposite and may, friends, convince you to put that hammer down. Let's hop into it right now. Do you feel the tug or pull in your heart calling you to more? Do you feel like it is too late or that you're too broken to pursue the dream in your heart? Well, you've come to the right place. I'm Latasha and welcome to the Overcome to Become podcast. Pull up a seat and join me each week for real talk, life-changing truths, and actionable takeaways. We are diving into any and everything that has been holding you back from becoming who you were meant to be in every area of your life. See, I'm a planner. Not only that, but I like when things go the way I plan them to, especially if I've taken the time to plan things out and it makes perfect sense to me, right? Two plus two equals four. I do this first and then that and then that and then this is the result that I expect to get. Well, there was a season in my life where things took a total turn in a different direction and it spun me out of control. My first full-time job was at a high school as a school clerk. I had just moved myself along with my two kids, took a leap of faith, and moved to Orlando as a single mom. I was also a full-time college student. Some of you know the story already. I had no idea how much I would enjoy working at this particular school that I got an opportunity to serve at, especially the interaction I had with students. See, my major was I went from business to social work, to human services. No way, no how had I ever seen myself as a teacher. But as a clerk in this school, I realized that I loved working with kids. I loved going to work each and every day, making an impact, having interaction with them. My principal at the time, who was also my supervisor, was also the first one to take a chance on me and hire me to teach a 12th grade English class. Now y'all, I was 21 years old. And those who know me know I'm five foot small. And here I was teaching 17, 18, and 19 year olds. It was my first job a month after I had graduated from college. I had no idea that this job was coming, but the Lord opened up the opportunity. And so I walked through that door. Y'all, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. It was a long and hard first couple of months, but with the mentorship of neighboring teachers, Shout out to Brandy and Asia. I fell in love with teaching. There were days that, yes, I went home crying with stacks of paper to grade, thinking, are these kids learning anything? If anything, they might be less smart under my teaching. And as I said, this was not my first career choice. I had aspirations to be a social worker, but God had something else in mind. And after years of struggling to make ends meet, leaving my kids with family members while I attended evening and weekend classes, working full-time, going to school full-time, y'all. I mean, I don't even know how I got sleep. I had finally graduated my degree, and within one month, like I said, I had my first big girl job. And it wasn't much. (laughs) It wasn't much to holler about, especially compared to nowadays. My starting pay, get ready was a whopping 
$999. But boy, was I grateful. And now that I think about it, I'm even convicted in my heart right now complaining about where I am and what I don't have. When I think about that beginning salary and y'all, I felt like I was rich. I had the salary, benefits. I felt like I had made it. I had hit the lottery. I had saved enough money to make take me through this summer, this first year of teaching, and I was looking forward to coming back in the fall. Again, that was my plan. Well, in the latter part of July, I received a phone call out of the blue from an interim principal. And if you know anything about schools, just a little uh, behind the scenes, um, that year, my school that I was working at had received a failing grade. And in Florida, we grade our schools. And that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day that I'm not going to get on my soapbox about. But this school in particular received a failing grade. And the interim principal at the time explained that I would not be allowed to return as an English teacher because my certification was out of field. I was actually certified at the time to be a special education teacher. Though I had English teacher experience, I had not passed the English certification test. So I was technically teaching out of field. So... At that point, he told me that he would give me an excellent reference, but I would not be able to return to be a 12th grade English teacher. Oh, I was so devastated. I felt like someone had punched me in the gut. I mean, this plan was perfect, so I thought. But then how could a perfect plan like this be snatched away in seconds? Not only that, but the timing was the worst. It was exactly two weeks prior to pre-planning. And for my non-educator friends, pre-planning is the week that is set aside for teachers to get prepared to receive their students, set up their classroom, decorate, meetings, rules, procedures, all of those things. It was two weeks prior to that, and I was sitting there without a job. And I only had enough savings to last me maybe a month or two, barely to my first paycheck, and that was it. I remember after receiving this news, I was so upset, and I cried and cried and cried as I packed up my classroom, put my boxes into my trunk, and drove away. Y'all, when I got into that car, the ugly cry came out. You know, the one with snot, with tears, wailing, And I imagine the cars around me as I'm driving down one of the main roads uh, in Orlando. I know people were staring. I know people were looking. But I was so devastated all the while thinking, how did this happen? Lord, you know I don't have any money. You know that I'm a single mom. I'm a great teacher. I loved those kids. They needed me. What am I supposed to do now? If I can't find a job, I'm going to have to take myself and my two kids humbly back to my parents' hometown and live with them. I felt like such a failure. I was also so ashamed because I told everybody, hey, look, I got this job. I finally made it through all the hard time that I had been through, struggling to get through college and raise these kids and be a single mom. Here I was now, this dream that I had was snatched like a rug from under me. I told everyone, What were people going to think now? That evening, I went online and searched for openings. Anything. I was desperate. 
Then I saw a position at a high school five minutes away from me. It popped up on the screen. This was the same school. It hit me, y'all, that my aunt had mentioned to me maybe about four or five months back. And then it came back to me. She had actually tried to convince me to apply to this other high school that was close to my home so I could be near my daughters and have access to them. Well, at the time, I ignored her suggestion because it didn't make sense. I loved where I was at. Where I was, I wanted to be. And I was not even thinking about her suggestion of moving to this particular high school. It didn't make sense. Now, looking back, I realized that the Lord was trying to warn me through my aunt about what was going to happen really four or five months later. He already knew. He was trying to save me from the heartache and the tears. Oh, but because I'm a planner and I like things to go the way I planned, I was not trying to hear anything outside of my plans. Nothing else made sense. Where I at was at felt good. It felt right. So thinking of that, I quickly applied to the opening, drove myself to the front office of that high school, and I asked to speak to the hiring administrator, and I requested an interview. Thanks be to God, I was given an interview on the spot. And as the interview wrapped up, I thought it went pretty well. I just knew he was going to offer me the job on the spot. That's when he turned and looked at me and said, ah, that was a great interview. And I would love to offer you the position, but we're in a hiring freeze. So I cannot make an offer and we're going to have to wait. Oh my God. You know, that four letter word that we dread. We're going to have to wait until the county lifts the freeze. So I remember asking him, well, how long could that be? In hopes that he would say, oh, just over the weekend. And then he replied with, well, it could be a day. It could be a week. It could be a month. We don't know. All the while in my brain, the planner controlling side of me was screaming around like a little toddler saying, wait, what? A day, a week, a month. My heart sank and my armpits right on cue began to sweat. The next two weeks were agonizing. Oh my goodness. My emotions were everywhere. Everywhere. Again, what was I going to do? How was this going to work out? You know, I was leaning into God, praying, crying out, Lord, I will not miss your cues anymore. How many times have we said that, right? Lord, if you do this for me this time, this one time, I promise you, this is going to change. That is going to change. I'm going to listen when you warn me in the future. Well, right in God fashion, because you know what, guys? I believe he has a sense of humor, especially for me. I don't know about you, but I know that when God shows me things and things work out, I know he is cracking up at me as things unfold. Well, three days before pre-planning, I believe that was a Thursday, pre-planning was going to start on a Monday. I received a call and was offered the position. Oh my gosh, I know. Relief? You're probably thinking, oh my goodness, yes. God had did it again. And thinking back, I was, I think now, and I think that was not the first time God had done it, right? He had came through for me over and over again. But at that moment, when it was, it looked hopeless, when I couldn't quite put my finger on what the next step was going to be, at that time, I allowed doubt 
to come in and creep into my heart and cause me to forget what God had did before. Can you relate, friend? Maybe you're in a situation right now in a place where you don't know what the next turn is going to be. You don't know what next step to take and you're wondering, God, how is this going to work out? I encourage you to look back, to take a moment to remember what God has done before because I'm 100% sure that if he did it before, he will do it again. Although I was relieved to get a position in such a short amount of time, my heart was still sad. Because you know what? It wasn't the decision that I wanted. I really wanted to be at this other school. And I was still unclear as to why God had closed that door. It just still didn't make any sense to me. And I remember sitting in the new teacher meeting at this new school, this new opportunity I had, new door open, and thinking, I don't even want to be here. Yes, (laughs) y'all. After God had miraculously given me a job three days before pre-planning, I was still sitting there a little miffed, a little aggravated. I didn't want to be there. This was not going according to my plans. But I knew deep down in my heart that God had a greater purpose. And I had to keep reminding myself that God knew best. And now I realize he was trying to break me of my own will. Oh, all the stubborn folks, raise your hand. Oh, don't be sheepish. Come on, put them up there. How many of you are stubborn And believe that your plan is right. And God had to break me of my own will and stubbornness. So his perfect plan could prevail. That year, I met a guy from Ohio. He had just moved down down to Florida. Had no family, no friends. We became quick friends. It felt like I had knew him for years. I learned that being at that school we were at was not his plan either. He had went to a teacher fair And tried to apply for a position in Georgia and North Carolina because that's where he wanted to be. To his surprise, the only district available at that fair at the time that he went was Orange County. And bingo, that's where he came. This guy, y'all, that I'm talking about, eventually became my husband. And we've been married for 15 years. Crazy, right? When I think about it, the hair still stand up on the back of my neck. Not only that, but this was the one door, the one door that I almost did not walk through because I wanted it to be my way and I had a better plan. This one door was the key to unlock all of the other opportunities that came along in my career. The key where I met my husband, the key that unlocked all the other doors, serving as an administrative dean, as an assistant principal, as a principal, and now currently a director of instruction. All of these link back to that one door I didn't want to walk through, that I hated walking through. Even the scholarship that I received to go back and get my master's degree, which paid 50%, and you all who have gotten your master's degrees know, it is almost impossible to get a scholarship for your master's degree. But God made a way through this door. For me to earn my master's degree at 50% of the cost. All of it links back to that door I did not like, did not want to walk through, almost refused to go into. Now I realize that if God had not shut the door and nailed it shut so I could not go back, I would have missed out on all of that. All of that. Let me let, let's sit there, that there for a moment. I would have lost out on meeting my husband on all of the other opportunities that came along afterwards because I did not 
like that door that I had to go into and I was a little bitter about the door that was shut. What I now know for sure, friends, about detours is this. Whether it is caused by something we have done or not, or like me, something we have ignored, God will use them for our good. No person has the ability to shut a door that God does not allow. And so for those of you friends who were looking for a promotion, looking for an opportunity, and that door shut, and you're feeling a little miffed about the person behind the door, let me remind you, friend, that person does not have the power to shut a door that God does not allow. God does not always answer our prayers the way we want him to. Can I get an amen and a hallelujah? Okay, because if God answered all the prayers that I wanted him to, just let that sit for a moment. What if God really answered the prayers that you wanted him to in the way you wanted him to? Our vision is very, 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 very limited. Yes, I know some of us have degrees on top of degrees on top of degrees. But our vision is still limited. My mom tells me all the time, Tosh, you see a piece of the puzzle. And sometimes we only see a piece of the piece of the puzzle. God sees the entire picture. And I want you to remember that, friend. I have, when I spoke one time many years ago, I gave all those in the audience a piece of a puzzle to remind them that you only see this piece. God sees the rest of it. We really don't know what is best. No matter how smart we are, no matter how much experience we have, no matter how much education, we really don't know what is best for our life. God's plan supersedes logic. It supersedes what makes sense. And it almost never, never, ever makes sense at first. God is calling for us to stretch our faith and obey him. Those are the seven things that I've learned about detours, about doors being closed. Now, you're probably asking, well, I'm facing a door that's shut. What should I do? Here are some things that I recommend. Five things that you should do if you are facing a closed door. Number one, stop. Instead of taking a hammer, a blowtorch, trying to burn and break that door down, stop. Two, be quiet. I know you're going to want to talk about it with everybody, maybe even feel like you need to justify yourself, complain about it, go on and on about it. I'm guilty. If you need to speak to someone, seek wise counsel, not just an amen corner, like a pastor, a counselor, close, wise friends who have gone through what you're going through. Most of all, be quiet. We cannot hear God if we're talking at the same time. Number three, reflect. Spend some time with God and his word. Remember the quiet time we talked about early in the morning or for some of you, it might be late at night or in the midday. Spend some time with God and his word. Reflect. Make sure that you have a consistent quiet time. And then ask yourself these questions. Where have you missed God along the way? Have you been doing things your way or his way? What were the signs along the way that you missed? Like for me, I totally missed my aunt trying to warn me, and she didn't even know at the time, of what was coming up ahead. Why did I ignore? Why did you ignore those signs? For me, it was pride. For me, it was my way getting in the way, my will. Number four, 
pray. Ask God to forgive you. Repent. I know that word, we use it and we don't like to hear it. But guys, when we go in error, when we go astray, we have to ask God to forgive us, right? Turn our face to him and ask for his direction. The book of James says, if we ask God for wisdom, he will freely give it to us in James 1. He will freely give us wisdom. I love this verse in Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him. That's that quiet time and whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Last but not least, number five, resist the urge to take things back into your own hands. When it seems like the clock is ticking, when it seems like, God, where are you? I'm on a deadline. I encourage you to wait, to wait. Oh, gosh, how many times have we messed up situations? We have just torn them apart and we have delayed ourselves even more when we take matters into our own hands. It's not going to make sense in the present, friends. It may not make total sense to you for years. For me, it took almost 10 years for me to put all the pieces together. Now looking back, I understand. Now looking back, I see a clear picture. But along the way, it was a huge faith walk and a stretch. Things made sense a little by little, but now I can see the whole picture. God and his spirit, y'all took me to school, literally. Now I can say with all certainty that God is my source. Everything else is a resource. My job, people, other things, side hustles, those are resources. But God is my number one source and he knows what is best. When my faith is shaky, I can look back and remember and speak to those doubting thoughts that try to creep in. If he did it before, he will do it again. No man can shut a door that God doesn't allow. Our lives cannot go straight far, so far away that it baffles him and he is bewildered on how to get it back on track. Guys, God is not scratching his head up there trying to figure out our lives. God's plan B always works better than our plan A. He is a redeemer. He is a restorer. And when we put our trust in him, he makes all things new. He is faithful to his promises, even when we are unfaithful. Woo. Even when we are having a tantrum. And y'all, I can have quite a bit of those. I want to leave you with this heart work. In your quiet time, I want you to journal. Journaling is so powerful. Going back to our dear diary days. Y'all remember those? The little diaries with the little locket? that you really could just break into without the key. I want you to get a notebook if you don't have one already. And I want you to start journaling. Doesn't have to be anything fancy, nothing expensive. Get a little Dollar Tree notebook. And I want you to reflect on these, this area and these questions. What area of my life is God trying to shift or pivot me in and I'm refusing? What am I still hanging on to, clinging to, trying to make happen? And God has declared it's over. That chapter is finished. What cues have I ignored along the way and why? And then two, take time this week to think about those questions and be totally honest with yourself. I'm going to leave those scriptures that I talked about in the show notes and I want you to meditate and reflect on those as well. Here's my last thought to you. The sooner we choose to let go of our plans and move on with God's, the better it is for us, our hearts, and those around us. One of the most humbling things I've realized was that my decisions or non-decisions 
or wanting to go in a different direction. It wasn't just impacting me, but it also impacted my kids and those around me, whether positive or negative. It's not easy, but it's not impossible. It's a daily decision to listen and take the next step. Listen and take the next step. Friend, I'm praying for you. I'd love to hear your feedback about how this episode or others have blessed you. Would you please do me a favor? Would you please take two minutes to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts? The link is below in my show notes. This will help to spread this message of hope to other women. I want you to meet me right back here. Same time, same place next week. Take care, friends.